I was good. Am I, am I okay, Seth? Am I good? Thank y'all so much. I'll tell you what, I just sit here and, and watch y'all play, and it amazes me. And Zach, I was watching Zach on the base, and he's making runs. Those guys are so talented, and ladies are so talented. I am, I am not. And I just want to thank y'all for what y'all do, and especially the people in the sound with uh, Seth, you guys up there, you guys, what y'all do. And, and, you know, and like the Lord might be asking you and calling you to go up there. We're looking for somebody who to run that full-time up there. And if you sense that, man, please let us know right afterwards. We're excited excited about what God's doing and because we believe God's moving. So we're in this series about why doesn't God move? And the reason why the Lord laid this upon my heart is because a lot of people in their lives watch God move, but very few people experience God move. Would you agree with that? I mean, we, we, we see and we hear stories about what God has done through other people. We read scripture and there's so much material in here that talks about fire coming down from heaven, the dead being raised, the sick healed, the blind can see, uh, the deaf can hear, the mute can speak. We, we see uh, armies that are very small destroy large armies under some crazy circumstances and we watch God raise up people who the world looked at and said there's no way and God just doing these miraculous things. So the question is today is why doesn't God move? Or maybe the better question is this or the underlying is what the spirit was showing me. Why don't I see and experience God moving? Why don't I? Because see, the problem is, Scripture says that God is moving. John five seventeen. Uh, you don't have to turn there. It's not going to be a primary text because we're going to look at a couple texts today. But I want you to look at this text. Uh, John chapter five, verse seventeen says this: Jesus said to them. Now I want you to take this in because here's what he's saying: My Father is what saints always. It's not like God takes a Sabbath. John, you didn't read Genesis. Here's what you got to understand. When God takes a Sabbath and steps back from his work, his work can never keep on going. The sun cannot change from hydrogen to helium and producing that heat. The, the, the moon cannot make its orbit. The earth cannot spin unless the common grace of God keeps it going. It just doesn't happen. It's not, we're not deists. Let me, let me break it down. A deist is somebody who believes that there is a God, if they'll give you that term, and he takes the world and sets it in motion and lets it go. And, and you just live your life, you live what you want to do, and there's, there's a higher power, but he doesn't really interact. That's a deist. Uh, a theist is somebody who says, oh, there is a God who set this thing in motion. He does interact, but only to some level, and I don't really know that we can know him that well. That's kind of theism. But Christianity says that there was a God who came in the flesh and interacted with us and saved us and redeemed us, and not only did it leave us and go back to the throne room in his kingship, but he left the Holy Spirit with us so that we can continually commune with him through prayer and other types of methods where God speaks to us. So God is always at work. So I want you to think, if you're in a situation or you have a friend that's in a situation, don't think 
that God is not at work. But God, but John, you understand, like I'm single, or John, you understand my, my grandchild's doing this, or John, you understand my, my job is this way. I want you to know something. Just because your circumstances might not be good doesn't mean that God is not good. God's always at work. My father is always at work because Jesus isn't a liar. Is always at his work, and I love what he says there in that passage, at his work to this very day. And then he says this, Jesus says, and I too am what, saints? Working. So Jesus is at work. If you read Romans 8, you realize that Jesus is interceding for us. You realize in Revelation that he is the lamb in the center of the throne, looking as if slain. This constant reminder that he bears the marks of our salvation on his body. Constantly in favor of God, knowing that our sins have been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness so that we can move past our failures and our sins because Jesus is victorious. See, if we can't move past our sins, then Jesus really isn't victorious. But he is, so he's always at work. Then Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 5, verse 19, I love this passage, and we've been saying this a lot over the last couple of weeks. I want you to get it. He says, therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, or in the Greek it says, amen, amen. That means truly or let it be. I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself Unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So Jesus can only do what he sees God doing. So God is always at work. So if that's been established today, then John, the question is, and the question that I'm asking is, why don't we see God move? And the Lord convicted me in my heart and wanted me to... Um, share this with us and I think this is something that's powerful and some of you do this very well you do it much better than me let me just say that and that's not false humility I'm being truthful you do it much better than me but I'm convinced that that I don't see that I don't see God uh, move and I don't experience God move enough in my life is due to my prayer life now but John you established two weeks ago that you can't make God move you can only make room for God to move that is correct but what we do in our prayer life is it opens our eyes it opens our ears it opens up our heart that we can begin to understand what God is saying and then make adjustments in our life to walk into the power of God so I'm convinced that it is my prayer life now let me make some comments about prayer uh, John Piper in his book what Jesus demands uh, from the world is a, is a very good book I encourage you to read it uh, but he, he kind of gives us some ideas and I want to build off that and flow in that I want to say this first remark the first remark is God is not about prayer the first remark is that God is not about prayer you see Jesus became fully God and fully man yet he prayed Therefore, we have an example. The Bible says that he would go early in the morning. He would leave early in the morning. He would pray. Sometimes he would spend all night in prayer. Sometimes there was short prayers. Sometimes we get to see the, the, the prayer in John 17 before the cross. Jesus was the God-man of prayer. Therefore, prayer is not above God. So it shouldn't be above me, or I shouldn't be without it. The second remark is I want to make this, and then Piper kind of makes a note of this, is that Jesus intends to create a praying people. Uh, what, what do I mean by that? The reason why I can say that he intends for us to be prayers, warriors, is he tells us this in Scripture. I love what Piper said. He tells us the why, the how, the whom, and to what we are to pray for. 
He tells us the why, the how, for whom, and what we are to pray. Uh, let's, look at, let's look at some why. Are you ready? Uh, Luke 18, verse 1, and they'll put the passages up here. This is why. By the way, this is all online at summitcharleston.com. It's on Summit Church Facebook page. So you can pull it up right now. Follow along. 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and what, saints? So, why? Why pray? So you won't give up. God is telling us why to pray. So you won't give up. But that's not, again, everything with God is not just one answer. There are layers to the answer of God. And the highest answer, I think, is in John 14, 13, where he says, And I will do, Jesus is saying this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So let's just look at two simple reasons why we should pray. Number one, it brings glory to the Father. Number two, it causes us not to give up. Christians quit. Now, I'm not talking about lose your salvation and walk away. I'm not talking about that. But Christians quit doing what God has asked you to do when there's a lack of prayer. If we don't pray, I'm talking serious prayer. People praying, an anointed prayer, uh, uh, being anointed with oil. I'm talking about the James 5 type of prayer. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much prayer. Elijah was a man just like us, the Bible says. He's no better than us. So if, if God can move through Elijah's prayer, New Testament teaches they can move through our prayer when it aligns with his will. So why should we pray? Don't give up. Don't give up. And two, it brings glory to the Lord when we pray. And I'm going to unpack that in a little bit. How should we pray? How should we pray? Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. But when you pray, go into your what, saints? Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now, let me explain what he's saying there. Uh, In the English language, we don't have a great explanation of y'all know this is a, a prayer shawl you see this you, you see you see the hebrew you see the sitsis here uh with the with the five knots that represent the first five books you see the kanaf on the corner which is what the woman touched or jesus's prayer shawl it's what she touched when she was bleeding for many years and she touched this part and the and the, and the uh, power of god came out let me explain to you what a prayer closet is in a prayer room so the Jews would wear this. All good Jews would wear this. And they would wrap these zitzis, that's Hebrew, they would wrap this, you know, within their fingers. Like this to remind them that the law, the word of God is with them. The word, when we say law, we think our legal system today. But when they say law, they think the presence of God. Like, how many of you here ever watch Star Trek? Come on, old people. Uh, can I get a witness with some old people? Yes, hallelujah, Jimi Hendrix people. You know who you are. Okay, that was funny. All right, run DMC, whatever you want to say. But my point is, is that when you, 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 you see Star Trek, um, uh, what, what, what was this? Oh, wow, that, the youth knew that, and you didn't. Um, wow, and, and who was the one who did this? Spock. Don't go on YouTube and watch Spock where this came from. Do you know that he's Jewish? Do you know that? Do you know that this, 
that this right here represents the letter, uh, uh, it looks like a W, but it, 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 it represents this uh, a letter in Hebrew. And he said when he would go to Jewish synagogue as a boy, when they would pray over him, they would use this for, you know, for the name Yahweh of God. Of course, they're not going to say the name Yahweh. That's offensive to, to anybody in Judaism and in, in, in Jewish world. Uh, you wouldn't even say, they would just write G and an underscore and then D. Like if you're at University of Maryland right now and you were studying uh, Judaism, you would just write G underscore D because you don't want to mispronounce or miswrite the name of God. Does that make sense? So what they would do when they would pray over you in the name of the Lord, go check this out, Jeremy Pollock, because you're into this kind of wild stuff, zombie nation. So what happens is, is that they would take this that represents this letter, and they would put it over the person and pray the name. And he copied that. He copied that when they were in the scripts for Star Trek, and that's where it came from. See, when you pray the name of God, when you were praying the Old Testament of God over somebody, you would, in Jerusalem, you would place the name of God on that person. So for us to be called Christians means we have the very presence and name of God with us. So this prayer shawl is very important. And so like I said, they would wrap the tzitzis here through the fingers and, and, and they're going to remind themselves of God. So what is a prayer closet? So when they were at the temple and they're walking around, this is what a prayer closet is. This is the idea. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray. So this, when people around you at the temple becomes your prayer closet. And that is how you pray. You wrap the word you wrap the word of God around you to the point that it shelters you and covers you and takes you to a place of prayer. That is what the prayer closet is, and that is why it's so important in the Lord. So when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is how you should pray. He's telling you how to pray. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. How many times do you have to say the Lord's Prayer to get God's attention? Now I'm not saying the Lord's Prayer is babbling. Don't hear me. But what I am saying is, is that you don't have to go, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Can I get a witness? Uh, and Jesus saw. Uh, right? You don't have to keep doing that. It's not like that that brings you into his presence. It is God's presence that comes to us. Mm. Battling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 9, this then is how. Jesus tells us, creating a people, creating a people that pray. He tells us why we should pray for His glory and not to give up just two of the layers. There are many more, but just two of them. And then it's also, He tells how. Get in prayer. Get alone with God. Wrap yourself in the presence, the Word of God. Jesus said, right, that He was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Wrap yourself in the Word. Do not keep babbling like pagans. And then this is how you should pray our Father, who art in heaven. Right? 
And then he goes on and we see the Lord's Prayer, which I like scholars that say that's really the disciples' prayer because it wasn't for the Lord, it was for them. So we have why, we have how, uh, how about for whom? I'm just going to give you one. There are many people, many for pray. Matthew 5, 44 says this, but I tell you, love your enemies, look at this, but I tell you, love your enemies and what, saints? Pray for those who what? Mm. So he's telling us for whom to pray for. So he tells us, and I know some of you are going bored and going, John, I don't need a lesson on prayer. I want to tell you something. There'll be a day when you do. There'll be a day when something goes really wrong in your life. And by the way, I just want to remind you, don't wait then to pray. And I'll explain that in a minute. So for whom? Pray for those who persecute you. Oh, what am I supposed to pray? What? Matthew 9, 37 through 38 says this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers where? Into his harvest. So what am I to pray for? Pray that God will raise up warriors for Jesus. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Beseech the Lord. Philippians 4, 6. Remember, do not be anxious. Uh, I love this. About anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Present your requests or make your requests to God. So these tell us what to pray for. So he tells us why, how, for whom, and what. God wants us to pray. Reason why God doesn't move a lot in our lives is because our eyes and ears and hearts are not open to the movement of God. He is always at work and we've established that. And Jesus is always copying what his father is doing. And the reason why he could copy was because he is God, but he showed us how to experience God on earth and it was through prayer. And then prayer moves us to see and then say yes and go with God. So let's keep going there. So what are the two primary reasons for prayer? In other words, why should we pray? And again, I, I really enjoy, uh, and I was asking those questions and really trying to see what Piper said. It was pretty interesting, and I don't want to like, belabor this point, but why did Jesus, he said, think prayer was so important for his followers? The reason prayer corresponds with the two great purposes of God that Jesus came to accomplish. There are two great purposes. Now, many of you have heard these. Uh, Nick, you study them all the time, but I want to use it in the context of prayer. I want to use these two. And don't, listen, don't get bored by something you've heard before. Let's go deeper in what you've heard before. So I think the first reason for prayer, and I want to explain this. I know it sounds very simple and you go, oh, that didn't move me. Well, let's just check it out. The first reason that prayer, that God has us pray, the first reason why we're going to pray is for his glory. Uh, go to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John, chapter 14. And let's look at verses 12 through 14. The reason for prayer is God's glory. 12 through 14. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the, to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified by who? In the Son. In other words, when you and I ask for something in Jesus' name, it brings glory to the Father because it says who Jesus truly is, the Messiah. Verse 14. 
You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. It brings glory to the God. God, in other words, he gets the attention because he's the one who carries the weight. When you're under burden, when you're under pressure, or whether you're excited, let Jesus carry the weight. The Bible says you're tested by the praise you receive. Remember that a couple weeks ago we talked about that? It means this, that when you receive praise from people, oh, when you, when you did this, I really felt the presence of God. Or, oh, when you sing, I just, ooh. Or, or when you talk, or wow, you're such a giving person. Or, or wow, you're so loving. Or wow, you're so kind. Or wow, you're such a leader. Or wow, you're such a great parent. Or whatever it is. Or wow, you're such a good athlete. Whatever it might be, you're tested by that praise. The question is, will you reflect Jesus in that and give that to him? So he gets most of the attention. He gets all the weight. Uh, in other words, this, here is why prayer is beautiful and it paints a beautiful picture of our Savior. Let me read this to you, what Piper said. Prayer, I love this. Woo, this is so good. Prayer is designed by God to display his fullness in our need. This is why God gets glory. It displays his ability, his fullness, his capacity to do and provide and it shows our need. This is why prayer is so awesome. Prayer glorifies God because it puts us in the position of the thirsty and it puts God in the position of the fountain. That's why prayer is beautiful. That's why I pray that this place is flooded with people because I know there are things that we need. There are things that God has to do. It puts us in the position of of the thirsty, he said, and it puts God in the position of the fountain. So what happens is when we pray, God is glorified because we all look to him that he's the only one who can provide. See, when you don't pray, what you're saying is, is that God, you're not the only one who can provide. That's why, that's why it's crazy when I see people, oh, I need Jesus, I need Jesus, I need Jesus, I'm single, I'm single. Then they meet somebody and then all of a sudden they kind of walk away from their relationship with the Lord. And, and what happens is it's, it's interesting that they have now created an idol because that person now is fulfilling their thirst, has become the fountain for their thirst, more, for, more so than the one who sent them the person that met the need for their thirst. That is what is dangerous. That is why I think we, it put, when we pray, it's beautiful to the Lord. Like God loves our corporate and individual prayer because it puts him in a place of exaltation that he's the only one who can meet the need. God, you're the only one. Listen, my marriage stands today only because of Jesus. My marriage does not stand because Lynette is a great woman, though she is to tolerate me, Right? But the truth is, it, our marriage only stands because of Jesus. And the moment that Jesus is uh, devoid in our relationship, or void of our relationship, we're in trouble. Because now, the idols that can only meet the need are she and I. And that's when marriages fall apart. That's when relations fall apart. Listen, that's why we go to God. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God created all the animals. You think he really needs sacrifices? He can do whatever he wants when he wants. But prayer exalts God. So to bow your head, to call upon the Lord, to spend time, even if it's a movement of, of, of praising him for answers or in faith that he will answer or it's in tears out of brokenness, God is glorified in that. That's why the Bible said, and King David said it so well through the Holy Spirit, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise Psalm 51. 
puts God in a place of exaltation. Or as Matthew 6, 8 would say, if you remember that passage, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. God knows our need. So prayer is crucial. Listen, you will fall asleep in prayer. Can I get a witness? Oh, only three people fall asleep. You know how many times I've fallen asleep in prayer? Like, can I, can I just be honest with you? I was praying for somebody, uh, and I don't even know what I prayed. I think I fell asleep halfway through the prayer and woke up by when I said amen. Like, I, I'm just, just being honest, because sometimes, you know, it's late, you know, you, you're tired. You, you, you know. Listen, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is... I mean, why do you think Peter and James and John kept falling asleep? And Jesus, right before the cross, can you not stay awake? Can you not stay awake? Can you not stay awake? He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh... Prayer is rigorous and rough, and it has to be engaging. That's why your flesh loves when you close your eyes, because you will fall asleep. That's why when you open your eyes, we become full of distractions. That's why you close the eyes. Your bow is the semblance of God. You're all I need. Prayer. One thing remains, we sang this morning. James 1.5, he said this, if any of you lacks wisdom, this is what I love. He should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. You know, you know what the idea of generously is? Uh, a couple of us went and we saw the editor of the NIV talk about this passage. It literally means that God has a pitcher of water ready to pour wisdom on top of us if we will fully submit to him. He's the fountain, we are the thirsty. He's the fountain, we are the thirsty. He is the fountain, we are the thirsty. God is not being harsh, the Spirit showed me, by allowing us to be in a difficult position. God is not being harsh, but throwing in our towel and getting mad at God is an indictment on the giver more than the effect of the gift. When we get mad and say, God, why you let me in this situation? We're doubting that God can provide. Yet Scripture calls him Jehovah Jireh. Verse 12 of John chapter 14. Look at verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You're not going to do anything greater than salvation. You're not going to do anything greater than Jesus. That's not in that sense. That's not what he's saying. What he means the greater things you'll do is you'll probably see more people come to know Christ than Jesus did. You, you, might, you might be out there witnessing on the field. You might see a movement of God powerful where hundreds come to know. You might. You might die. greater things because the greater things are the more people don't know him. I mean, think about what songs. How many people have led uh, come to know Jesus or been ministered to through songs that some artist has written? Maybe a million people. Jesus didn't have that privilege. That's a greater thing. That's what he's talking about. You're not going to do greater than salvation. That's not what he means. So every time God answers a prayer in Jesus' name, it further confirms for us that Jesus is the only Savior and Redeemer. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in who, saints? Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In other words, every promise that God makes, Old and New Testament, the fulfillment is in Jesus. When you and I say Jesus' name, we're saying yes to what God is asking us to do because he did it for Jesus. And God gets glorified through him. 
So the first reason that we pray is for God's glory. He is the fountain, we are the thirsty. The second reason, the, the second reason for prayer is, is our joy. The second reason we pray is for our joy. Now I know some of you studied this, but I want to go, I want to really unpack what that means. Why is it joyful for me to pray? Why is it joyful in the sense, why is God going to, how is he going to give me joy in the midst of prayer when the, most of the time our prayers are out of our deepest needs? The other purpose Jesus came to accomplish, I love what Piper said, was our joy. Everything he taught was aimed to free us from eternal joy killers and fill us with joy that lasts, that is, joy in God. Uh, John 16, 24 says this. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. This is a powerful passage. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you receive and you're what? I didn't hear you. And you're what? Yeah. The reason why you don't see a lot of joyful Christians is you don't see a lot of prayerful Christians. Now let's tell the truth, shame the devil. The reason why we don't see a lot of joyful Christians is we don't see a lot of prayerful Christians. We don't because it's only in prayer that the, the Spirit's going to move and give me love that's going to dry my faith and my faith's going to dry my love and I'm going to start believing God in the midst of a bad situation. I start believing that God can do something that I can't do because he's the fountain and I'm the thirsty. And my joy, I can have joy in my circumstances. I'm not saying that I won't be happy sometimes. I'm not saying I won't cry sometimes. I'm not saying that I won't have pain sometimes. But what I'm saying is in the midst of that, there is a resolute joy in my heart that God will save the day and he will come through. Do you believe that? And that's what prayer drives. Prayer drives you to the fact, do you know how many times I want to quit in prayer? Do you know how many times I just want to quit? There's a thousand times I'm like, God, I prayed the same thing and you haven't asked. So obviously your answer is no. And then something happens within me that's very strange. The Spirit of God reminds me that I ought to pray and not give up. And then I go, I want to give up. And then I try to rationalize because you know how I try to rationalize things. Oh, God, it must be your will. It's not going to happen. That's why I'm not. It's, it's not your will. So I'm not even going to pray about it. It's not your will. So I'm, I'm going to stop. But God is asking me to pray so that my joy will be complete. Uh, I'm going to use the ESV on this version. He says this. In John 16, 24, in the English Standard Version, he says this. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you receive, and you receive that your joy may be full. Your joy may be complete. See, what's lacking in our lives, we can never be full in a situation without prayer. And I know some of you are going, John, this sounds like a boring sermon today. Listen, when we start doing the disciplines of the faith, they are not always, woohoo! But they are critical to our lives. It's for God's glory and it's for our joy. I'm going to ask Cameron and, and them to come on up here and play. Uh, play for us here. What are the incentives for us to obey Jesus, Jesus' demand that we pray? As Piper said, what are, the, what are these incentives? I mean, in other words, what's going to make you and I want to pray? Well, Luke 18, verse 1 says this. I love this passage. In fact, take your Bibles, go to Luke 18, verse 1. Uh, one of my favorite passages. By the way, if you want to stu study the apostle prayer, look at Luke 18. Or excuse me, just look through all of the gospel of Luke. It is the gospel of prayer. 
It is phenomenal. I learned that in the seminary over and over and over. Luke 18, verse 1. I'm going to read this in the NIV, and I'm going to give you some other examples. Luke 18, verse 1 says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give what, saints? That's the key. In other words, when we pray, the joy, the trust in God is going to drive us. In other words, we won't lose heart. We will not give up. Another version says we will not faint. I mean, how many people, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm just going to raise mine for me. How many times in your walk with God do you want to quit? You just want to say, Lord, it's much easier just to be a selfish human being instead of this difficult thing of following Jesus. You ask me to forgive people that are jerks. You ask me to be nice to a boss who would cut me and doesn't even care about me. You ask me to be nice to a family who doesn't appreciate me. You ask me to be nice to people that I would never talk to outside of Jesus and then you want to tell me who I'm going to marry? I don't think so. There are days that we have that inside our hearts. There are days we bitter the circumstances that God has given you. And you get bitter about it. But it's through prayer that joy comes in the morning. It is through prayer that God does something miraculous. It is through prayer that God gives us hope and a future. Because when we pray, it brings glory to Him because it shows you are the only one who can provide. And it also shows my deep thirst for Him. He is the only source of joy. And so the people that don't pray, what I've noticed, the Christians that don't pray, they're the ones who are always moving from one place to the next, trying to find joy. And they miss it. Because they can't find it. And they go to these eternal joy killers. They go into a relationship where, oh, God, you'll get them there. Yeah, you're right. God might get him there, but he certainly doesn't need me to do it. We got all these eternal joy killers, but he came to give us joy that lasts. If my prayer life is strong, I will not quit. The Spirit of God showed me over and over and over. What did Jesus do on the cross? Father, forgive them. What did he do? Father, into your hands. Father, Father, where are you? Why have you forsaken? He's quoting the song. He's constantly in prayer to fulfill what God has asked him to do. And then scripture says, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising. We'll never get anywhere without joy. And joy can only come through prayer. Only. So the incentive is, if my prayer life is strong, I won't quit. It gives me joy. Another thing is Matthew 6. Uh, I love this. In Matthew 6, 8. Matthew 6, 8. Where he says this. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Another incentive to pray is that God knows what we need before we ask. And you say, but John, then why am I having to ask? It's glory. 
He's the giver. He's good. And I'm thirsty. And number two, I get joy in prayer. It's for my good to pray. It is for my good to spend time with the Lord. It is for my good. Have you ever noticed that when you really spend a lot of time in prayer, it doesn't always mean that your day goes right, but you always feel the presence of the Lord regardless. We are not talking to a God who doesn't know what's going on, the Lord showed me. It's not like we need to talk God into our requests. As Piper said, we don't need to multiply pious phrases in prayer, hoping that we might awaken God's attention. He is our caring Father, and He is our all-knowing Father, and He will give an answer because God is good. And the last incentive I want to give you today is that God is good. Matthew 7. Let's turn there. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Y'all know where I'm going with this in our invitation. You know right where I'm going. We've got a couple minutes. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. I love this. Ask. Oh, this is really good. Ask and it will up, saints. It'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Jeremiah says, if you seek me, you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart. Uh, these are participles in Greek. We don't read this in English. It's really keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Why? 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 Joy, 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 glory, glory, glory. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, one of my, I pray this a lot. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I pray that all the time, especially for us. In fact, I prayed that down there as they were singing. As we were singing, I prayed that. You want to know why? Because God says, if evil people can give good things, how much more can I give? He's saying, how much more can I give? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to move. Piper said, God is very inclined to hear our answer, hear and to answer our prayers, which is not surprising since prayer is designed to magnify God's glory while sustaining our joy in Him. Psalm 73, verse 1, and I end with this. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And you might say this, I know. Blessed are the pure in heart. Remember that in Matthew 5? What does it say? For they will what? They'll see God. Well, John, and I know you're saying, but John, I'm not pure in heart. Number one, yes, you are, because Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you received him, and you got it, and he did it for free, and you received the presence of the Holy Spirit, which sealed you for the day of redemption. You can never lose your salvation. Jesus did not just die for your sins on the cross that you committed in the past before you gave your life to him. He died on the cross for your past, your present, and your future sins that are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. Then, John, why do I still sin? Because there is a war waging inside you with your, with your spirit and your flesh, and that flesh has been put to death but it wants to keep resurrecting and you got to keep striking it with blows in the spirit that's why sin has no hold on you but you are pure in heart two things number one 
you are legally pure in heart. But number two, we don't always act pure in heart. So you know what prayer does? It's when we come to God and we say, God, here are the impure things in my life. Here are my thoughts. Here are my actions. Here's what I've said. Here's what I've done. Here's what I should have done that I didn't do. Let's just get right with the Lord. Let's just get real pure in heart because the Bible says that if we get pure in heart, we're going to see him. How many of you want to see him? I know I do. So I'm asking you today who needs to pray and just want to come and just lay everything out in front of the Lord. He's a fountain and he knows what you need before you ask. So come ask. Number two, your joy, you'll be satisfied in the Lord because you will know that he heard your prayer. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. John, there's sin in my life. I don't care. Your righteousness is not, as, is not based on your sinlessness. Your righteousness is based on Jesus. So when you start exalting Jesus, then you know what will happen? You'll love him more and your joy will be more. How many people in here need to pray? Get pure in heart and just ask God what you need. Let him increase your joy and bring him glory by showing that he's the only one who can give what life demands. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and I don't know who in this room needs to pray, but I suspect it's every one of us. And Lord, I'm praying that you'll flood this place with people that just want to get a pure heart. So I'll say, God, here's everything. Here's all the good. Here's all the bad. Here's all the ugly. Because I need to see you. I need you to show up in my life. I need you to show up in my job, in my family, in my work. I need you to show up. God, maybe there's some prayers that, that we have uh, that we want to ask you. We just want to come and kneel and let people kind of pray over us and let people kind of pray with us. And just God, just kind of, we've been praying and praying and we don't feel like you've been moving and Maybe we just want some other people to pray with us. God, maybe that's our cry today. Maybe we need our joy to be made full because we're kind of getting a little worn. We don't sense you hearing our prayers. It's like they're bouncing off the ceiling. Yet you said that doesn't happen. Lord, we need to renew our joy in you. And then, Lord, maybe some people today just need to come and say, God, you're the fountain, and I need you to, I need, I'm thirsty, and here's what I'm thirsty for. And I don't know what it is, Lord. I don't know if it's about a singleness. I don't know if it's about a check. I don't know if it's about a relationship. I don't know if it's about a job decision. I don't know if it's about a sickness. I don't know if it's about a grandchild. I don't know if it's about a child. I don't know what it's about. I don't know what type of prayer covering people need. I don't know all that needs to happen as far as decisions need to be made. But God, I pray you'll flood this place with your presence. And that we will be a praying people. And that we will not be ashamed to get up out of our seats and move forward and say, God, we are going to get pure and right with you and exalt you today that we will be a people that pray. And this will be our prayer closet. We'll call upon you. Lord, I can't make anybody move. I can't do anything, but I pray that your spirit would move. Because I'm convinced I don't see you move because of the lack of my prayer life. And Lord, if there's some people here today that have never experienced the deep satisfaction of turning their lives over to you, not praying a prayer, not getting dunked in water, I'm talking about surrendering and laying everything down and following Jesus. When you become more valuable than anything else at that moment, God, I pray that there's some people today that would be saved.
they would realize their sin has separated them and they can't do enough good to wash away their sins. Only the blood of Jesus. That you would save them, they'll take a step of faith. So we get ready to sing, Lord, the song, Oceans. Lenny's getting ready to sing it. And so you're going to ask us to step out in faith. And we can't step out in faith without prayer. Peter couldn't step out unless he said, you tell me to come. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. As we pray and worship you today, that we will step out in faith and do what you're calling us to do. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. You are good, and our joy is in you, and you are glorified because you are the great one. You are the one that we step out into the oceans, and our strength will not fail because Jesus never does.